Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. I'm delighted today to have Lisi Docanto, Managing Director for Atco Washington, D.C. Welcome, Lisi. How are you? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Wonderful. So just jumping in, can you tell us a little bit about your background and position at APCO? I'm a kid from Boston who came to Washington, D.C. 30 plus years ago. I started my career working on Capitol Hill, both in the Senate and the House. And then it led uh, afterward with working in senior level executive positions and NGOs across Washington, D.C. and uh, eventually being the CEO of one of those NGOs as well. And then I decided to start my own company focused on public affairs, public relations, communications, um, both here in the U.S. and and globally. And then uh, just prior to my role here um, at APCO, I led healthcare policy in North America for Burson Cohen-Wolf, BCW here in Washington, D.C. Wonderful. Um, Tell us a little bit about APCO. Well, as I mentioned, we are the world's largest independent public affairs firm. We've been in existence for 40 years. We are founded by Marjorie Cross, who I should say works about 10 times as hard as the rest of us put together. The firm is a firm founded by an entrepreneur and and organized uh, among entrepreneurs. And so we operate at the intersection of business and politics and society, if you will. And we run to the center of challenge, which Rupert, as you and the listeners know, in our day and age, um, that intersection of challenge is a confluence of so many dif- issues across so many different geographies and different levels. And that's where you'll find APCO. Wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite brands and organizations that you've worked with over the years? No, I've had the privilege of working with some very well-known brands and others that are less well-known. Some of them that come to my attention are LVMH, uh, Moe Hennessy in particular on that on the side of Louis Vuitton, uh, Moe Hennessy. Some years ago, I, I worked very closely with them um, to help develop a, a fellowship program to diversify Wall Street. Um, it's a program that's in existence today that pulled in their celebrity influencers. And we partnered with an organization which also has a terrific brand, the United College Negro Fund, UNCF, as it's commonly known um, and just a terrific program that I think now is in its fourth uh, year, really making a, a difference. Um, I've also worked um, with a company called Go Guardian. This is one of the largest providers of ed tech software in K through 12 public schools here in the United States, doing a, a, a really terrific job in pulling through uh, equity to the center of what occurs in um, the classroom, both to help support the student, but also to help the teacher but also to help and work with the community. Great, great company. Um, another is a company that may not be as well known, but is having a huge impact. And that's a company called Power to Fly that sits in New York City, one of the most dynamic uh, organizations that is helping to connect uh, corporate America and the global uh, corporate uh, marketplace to diverse talent. Um, this question of we can't find anyone to fit the roles that we have um, Power to Fly puts that um, uh, to rest by organizing some 25 million that are in its servers and connecting um, these individuals 
to corporate America through a series of events and activities that they do throughout the year. And I would just add one other is Mag Studios, which is one of the fastest growing movie studios and multimedia companies based in Los Angeles by Sylvia Zachary, who is doing an incredible job in creating a, a home called Storyhouse, which is, a, is something that I helped to work with her and many others in creating a place for um, creatives of color to come together in one central uh, location, sort of a, a Soho for, for communities of color. And that idea exists in a home in, in LA and it's now being taken uh, across North America and across the globe um, in order to bring uh, brand creatives together in one place. So those are just some um, of the brands that I've had the privilege of working with uh, over my time. That's a good variety, actually. So, so how do brands address social issues without purpose washing? Obviously, we're in this world where everyone's on social media, and, and if someone's greenwashing or purpose washing, they're going to get outed. So what do brands need to do? Well, first of all, I'll tell you, Rupert, I think many businesses and brand leaders, in my view, are out of touch, as some have said, with those that they serve. And we saw a lot of that through the pandemic, particularly here in the U.S., but elsewhere around the globe of not really being reflective um, of the community they serve. And so I think many now understand that a brand's purpose is more than just the demographics and who are the consumers and loyalty patterns and all of that. It's really about connecting and contextualizing your brand to the very societal issues that are, that, uh, that their consumers and their audience are grappling with. And um, you've had so many who've done this really well long before the pandemic. Ben and Jerry's is a great example of that. And now we have a litany of examples of organizations that profess to have been doing it really well, really connected to the community only to have the most important constituency in their audience, their employees, um, call them out on it. And so I think that in this day and age, the employees hold the company accountable, as we've seen, and so do the, the consumers. And I think what you see happening is that the organization is really compelled to, to change because of the employees and what is being demanded and how important it is to make sure that there's an addressing of that, if you will, at the family table that is the company and wherever they and where they sit. Um, and understanding also that there's a balance that you that many companies confront right now, as, as you well know, in the in the so-called anti-woke. Um, what is woke? What is anti-woke? Who is defining it? And how do you navigate all of these? It's really complicated landscape now, um, particularly here in in the U.S. and here in Washington. Um, but helping companies to navigate those when to step in, how to step in, how to be authentic, um, and understanding your internal audience as well as your external audience, those that get it right are, are driving in, in, with successful um, purpose. Regardless of whatever the issues are that, and however controversial they may be, they're getting it right for the people that they serve and their broader constituency. It's also pretty tricky now because you've got fake news, right? <laughs> I, I'm thinking like five years ago, no one used that phrase. No one was ever saying fake news. And if you look at things like Watergate, everyone accepted the news. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and now it's like, you know, the world's flat. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, look, misinformation didn't just get invented in the last five or 10 years. It's, yeah. it's been in existence. Sometimes we called it propaganda and sometimes we actually called it 
fact, and we realized that it was it was neither. And so, understanding that uh, the importance of defining what is value in terms of information um, is where we live, and how to use information in a way that's responsible, whether it's the data that you produce or the way in which you communicate um, your brand and your sentiment are so uh, so critical to whether you get it right or wrong. And getting it right or wrong means um, the license to operate or the license to be taken out of operation for any number of reasons. And um, and that's where I think the world has shifted to now, which it's, uh, it's the equivalent of the CEO having much more than just the bottom line. It's the CEO and, and all leaders within organizations that are responsible for being the, the ambassadors of the brand internally, externally, and and that comes through how you express that brand through what we're doing right now, communicating. Absolutely. And so do you think brand purpose is a fad or is it here to stay? Well, brand purpose has always been of deep value. And as I mentioned, when you have employees who are demanding um, that organizations change or respond, it'll be, it'll be particularly tricky uh, or difficult for for brand purpose to not continue and evolve. And I think what you find in brands, however big or small they are, is the desire to contextualize the very work and essence of what they do in a way that relates to society and to those that interact with them, such that in many ways, some of the the most uh, influential brands are ones that understand their place both within industry and outside of industry and and are leaning into that understanding that it's, as I often talk about uh, in, in when I discuss these issues, is, is just like human beings can walk around with a pebble in your shoe, organizations ha- are now walking around with gigantic pebbles um, in their shoe. It's uncomfortable, um, but that's where we are. And that's obviously, in my view, the right thing to do. Absolutely. Now, how do you think AI will affect the future of marketing, advertising, corporate relations, and so on? Oh my gosh! I um, it's interesting. So for this question, uh, l- let me let me give you. I, I actually asked my ChatGPT since it's AI. Hey, what do you think about this question? And uh, and what did it tell me? <laughs> the very response that is pretty basic, which is, it's going to have a p- profound impact. Well, that's true. Um, but I think the very fact that now there's a, a technology that is yet to be fully controlled, a very powerful technology that, at least here in the U.S. and Washington, is trying to be controlled, uh, a regulated and responsive way, tells you that um, the impact of it, whether on advertising or other pa- parts of the, the, the system, is going to be enormous. And I think here in, in advertising, whether it's the, the way in which the data analysis and the machine learning is driving the way that ads are getting targeted and developed. And we spent a lot of time here working on our targeted uh, paid and digital media work uh, and campaign work. I think AI is only going to help continue to advance that work. Um, And then you've got a number of other ways in which um, the allocation of resources and budgeting are going to be impacted by AI, like so much of everything else is. I would say, Rupert, the broader question or in response to the question is that um, AI is redefining what we value, right? What do we value? And I've been part of conversations of late where it gets very technical. It's going to replace my job. It's going to take away 
this um, ability that I currently um, have and are performing, or it's going to expand. And there's enormous benefits as we've seen the digital revolution um, provide, but it's much broader than these specific things. It's what is, what are we going to find as valuable in a society? And with respect to advertising, um, what are we going to define as value with relation to AI and where we want to deploy it and where we want there to be a human element uh, there and, and advertising and, and more broadly in public relations. Um, this is the same issue that is being grappled with um, overall. Do you think brands have a responsibility to contribute to social impact and ESG issues? No, the simple answer is, uh, is yes. Uh, more than just improving um, one's balance sheet by by meeting you know the ESG uh, goals, um, it's a important um, aspect of of talent retention, talent recruitment. As I said, I think the most important part of the ESG is the social aspect, particularly representing um, people um, and the issues that they're confronting with. And I think brands that have understood how their value proposition can and does play a meaningful role in people's lives um, are the ones that understand how, what they do, not just the having a purpose, but what the good action is that follows that purpose. They, they know how they can impact societal uh, issues and, and other ways in which, you know, they're, they're influencing um, and impacting uh, actions, um, particularly, uh, I should say, for, for good. And so there's any number of brands, as, as you well know, that have um, matched their purpose with their action um, and have been consistent in, in, in steadfast in, in that. And I think um, notwithstanding the enormous amount of pressure uh, that exists now, both from investors and other stakeholders, but also elected officials, I think brands have been in general um, finding a way to make sure that their that their good actions also follow those good intentions. And I think the the world of uh, uh, that lives within the SG is like what we talked about before, one that is can be very difficult to navigate uh, and very tricky for brands, particularly because they're often faced with, do we step out? Do we call this out? We saw what happened to these other companies. But you also have a number that are, are very focused on making sure that they're more than just a more than just a product, that they're more than uh, a poster, that they are actually part of creating a, a positive impact in, in society here, uh, Rupert. And it, it reminds me if you might have read um, the in, in PR news not long ago, there were these principles for people centric engagement. Um, that I really think is a good way of understanding, you know, where we are now in terms of making sure that brands um, lean into the to the mission to bring the people and communities that they serve much closer, right? And and that they're more than just selling a product and a service. Uh, that there's a purpose there with good intentions and good actions, and that they are working to to create a positive impact, and they're doing that by being really transparent and what they're doing well and what they're not. Um, and importantly, that they're being uh, honest um, collaborators, both with their employees, but also with those that they interact and they serve and within their communities about all of that work. And I think uh, taken together, brands 
have that obligation to define who and what they want to be. And uh, not just through a period that we just came through, but, uh, but moving forward. And so I think, I think um, ESG and, and it will be a, a continue to be a challenge for organizations in terms of how they continue to try to comply or if uh, express it. But I think you'll find many more brands that are, um, are leaning in and trying to be much better and much more effective for the reason of their existence and those that they service and, and support. Wonderful. So, so tell us about an upcoming project at APCO that you're really excited about. Well, APCO is working on a lot of um, different uh, issues, but one of the things that I'm most excited about is a, is a program called our Accelerate What's Right um, program that is a program that brings together the very best of APCO through its people and through its relationships and through its network to really uh, create a positive conversation along the lines of what we're talking about here about inequity and how to how to address that and also um, talking about the experience of those who are in various aspects of uh, leadership within companies and within um, other areas um, to to talk about that and, and be seen and shown uh, showing what their value is. So very excited about that um, signature program that continues to to uh, be a key part of, of who we are as a as a company um, and the the impact that the accelerate what right um, program has meant for our employees and and those that we interact with and. And we're very proud of, of that program and, and the number of recognition and, and awards that we've received for the work that we've done through it and extensively as a firm, particularly uh, leaning into diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wonderful. So what advice would you give young professionals beginning a career in, in consulting? You know, I love this question. One of the groups that I love talking to the most are uh, are just those who are early in their careers, the young professionals. We talk with so many who come to our offices as part of their university programs or sort of thinking about what's next. And, and they ask they ask this question. And what I always say, Rupert, is I, I think it's important to understand a few things. Number one, that they have much more wisdom um, than what society might be telling them. That is, having been them, and I am them just further along in my life, is uh, as a young person, you're often told that you won't have the wherewithal and the wisdom to do what needs to be done until you get older. Sure, there's a level of, of that through maturity, but um, is to really empower our young professionals to, to understand that they bring so much impact and wisdom in ways um, that uh, drive enormous value for companies. And it's not just those who are further generations uh, beyond, but they have a great value. Uh, Number two, it really is to understand that, like uh, Maya Angelou said, when you walk into a room, you walk into a room uh, carrying your ancestors and your community, that you're not alone in the work that you do and, and as you move forward. And so as a young professional in the upswing of their career is to know that you have standing, that you come bringing your legacy and your family and and all that you believe in um, to the work that you do. And then finally, 
what I say is it comes from um, from the Bible, a wonderful verse that says, if you surround yourself with wise people, you too will become wise. And if you surround yourself with fools, you too will become a fool. And so I encourage our young folks um, to ensure that they, as they walk this journey of life, um, to surround themselves with those that will help support and lift them up, um, that will help them, if you will, become more wise um, in in all of the efforts and their endeavors uh, in which they engage in. Wonderful. So, Lisi, it's been a real pleasure having you on, and, and uh, your responses and everything have been really, really educational. So thank you very, very much indeed for joining the podcast. We've really enjoyed having you on. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.